0: Well, good morning, Church. It's good to be back. I've been, I just came back last night from a seven-week excavation in Jordan uh, with a second, uh, two-weeks teaching period in Fresno. So I've been away quite a bit, and it's so good to be back. You know, when when you are not in your home country, you need some kind of a home, And, and Church is, in a way, for me, what I would call home. So I've been asked to to do this, and of course I loved my church, and I said immediately yes. On a second thought, I said, "Oh no, um, you know I I've not been rescued from a drug-infested street gang. I've not been walking through the valley of the shadow of the death. I I've not been struck with severe." health issues. I have a wonderful wife, I have two great sons. I love my work here at La Sierra. What is so exciting for you that I could tell you? And so um, I won't tell you about these dramatic events of my journey, but my journey is a journey anyhow, and so I will talk to you about my, a bit of my journey. As you heard, I've come from, from Germany, four years ago. When I was six months old, the East German government backed by the Soviet Union built a wall to separate West Germany from East Germany and West Berlin from East Berlin. And you have probably heard of the Berlin Wall, right? And I still recall when I first traveled to Berlin, I was just a small kid walking through some of the streets and suddenly bumped into that wall that just, you know, divided the city and as, as a young kid you just wondered why is there a wall right middle through the city, right across the street, right across houses. The border could be crossed only through a limited number of air, road, rail and river routes. You could apply for visits, especially if you had relatives in East Germany. I, growing up in West Germany, I I grew up with that notion that there are these two Germanys, and that's how it has been in the past, and it will be forever in the future. This is what it is. And I learned, and probably others told me, that we are the good ones, and they are the bad ones. I probably did not yet understand the terms capitalism versus communism or free (laughs) world. I didn't, but we were the good ones. That was reassuring, but they were the bad ones. My grandma lived in West Berlin, and we had other relatives living in East Germany. And, and visiting these relatives was a painstaking and scary advan- uh, adventure. Cars were subjected to rigorous checks to uncover SKPs. Inspection pits and mirrors allowed the undersides of vehicles to be scrutinized. Sometimes vehicles could be partially dismantled in on-site garages to discover either people or stuff that you would smuggle. And we were interrogated. We had to empty our luggage. This could last for hours, waiting in line. I still recall, I was, again, still a young boy, when they discovered the bag that my dad had and they opened that bag and pulled out the Sabbath School Quarterly, and they had no clue what to do this, with this. And, and so that is religious literature. Do you want? What do you want to? Be the, and so hours of hours of conversation. You know, sometimes it's very difficult to explain the Sabbath School Quarterly. I tell you. <laughs> and these soldiers, grim faces, very rude. In 1974. Erich Honecker, as chairman of the National Defense Council of East Germany, ordered, firearms are to be ruthlessly used in the event of attempts to break through the border, and the comrades who have successfully used their firearms are to be commanded. I, I recall one time we visited relatives in East Germany, and by that time I had grown older, And I still recall, I had just discovered my love for the piano. So I was teaching myself piano. And believe it or not, the first piece that I practiced was the West German National Anthem. And so as we moved through all these borders and finally arrived at these relatives' homes, there was that piano in East Germany, I'm talking East Germany now, and there's this piano, and, and I, I love I loved that piano, so I sat down and immediately started to practice my piece, which was the West German National Anthem, which is basically, you know, you could go to jail and more for that. So I started to play the West German, and these people are just running and, you know, um, tearing me off the chair not to do that. I became aware of the incredible tension living in East Germany, being surrounded by spies, informers, secret police, and you never knew whether your neighbor was an informant or even your relatives, your brother. There was always a sense of distrust around. Every, everyone could have been an informant. This war created incredible... Uh, escape stories. It is not known how many people exactly died trying to cross the inner border uh, of Germany, but there are hundreds that died. But some made it. uh, In in 1963 to 64, a tunnel was dug from the western side in West Berlin under the border, and uh, around 70 people escaped through that tunnel unless it was discovered. There's one guy, he was an Austrian who was on a visit in East Berlin, I guess, and he fell in love with the East German girl and he wanted to get her out. The authority, 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 authorities did not allow him to have that lady leave East Germany, so he tried, how could I get her out? And so he, um, he rented a convertible uh, ripped off the windshield, let a little bit air out of the tires so that it was as low as possible and just drove underneath the, uh, the border um, barriers. Uh, another one that you would probably ha- have heard of is that in September 1979, two families escaped East, Berlin, uh, East Germany by crossing the border in a homemade hot air balloon. Uh, actually, there's a movie that has been made. Some methods of crossing the border were astoundingly low-tech. Instead, they relied on steady nerves and a bit of luck. Some East Germans figured out that the Munich Playboy Club membership card remarkably resembled diplomatic passports. And so some East Germans, and that's a real story, some Germans were able to cross the border by flashing these Playboy cards at East German border controls and they just let them go. <laughs> Others, uh, very, you know, you, you needed nerves, just bought themselves Soviet Russian uniforms of high ranked military people and they were just waved through. So, growing up in Germany during the 60s and 70s and 80s meant that there was a wall and nothing could change that. I only knew Germany as being separated by the wall and nobody of us could imagine a Germany without a wall. It was a given. When I started to date my wife, she was a nurse uh, studying nursing in West Berlin. I was in West Germany. To see her, I had to cross the border from West Germany to East Germany, pass through East Germany, and then to pass the border from East Germany into West Berlin. That took hours and hours. And I had only the weekend, you know. And and then on Sunday noon, I had to go back through all of that. I surfed for my wife, I tell you. Living in a free country, we could only imagine how oppressive life was in East Germany. The few things that I picked up from my relatives in East Germany were enough to paint a really grim picture. And just keep in mind, faith communities in the communist sphere of influence had a very difficult life. The Berlin Wall is not the only wall There are so many more. Anyone here from Korea? You probably know what I'm talking about. Just last year we were uh, on on a tour to Israel. And you cannot imagine how painful it was to see the Jerusalem wall. The wall that separates the West Bank from proper Israel. In Lima, Peru there's the wall of shame separating the poor and the rich population. And as a puzzled observer of American politics, I recognise that the wall concept has not died out. Many families working for the government have painfully experienced what a wall can do to their lives even if the wall has not yet been built. Shutdowns. The time to build the walls are not over. And there are the walls in us, the firewalls in our heads. Each of us had experiences with with this type of wall in ourselves and in others. When I started to form my spiritual identity, I was taught to divide the world in good and bad. There was only one way to comprehend God, only one way to believe Only one group of believers that possessed the truth. And so my spiritual identity was formed and defined in opposition to someone else who by definition was wrong and bad. I always needed someone to be the enemy. One time I was pastoring a church... No, no, that was not pastoring, but when I taught in Germany uh, at Friedensau, there is a larger city nearby, Magdeburg. And sometimes with our little boys, we went to the zoo, and our boys left the monkey house. There was a sign at the monkey house, careful, monkeys are throwing with excrements. That is exactly what happens when you surround yourself with walls because everybody is bad out there. You start throwing excrements, everybody else is evil. I wasted years of my spiritual life despising people who believe differently. I have walked myself in because I wanted to protect myself from people who had a different perspective on life. Because their God seemed to be different from mine. Because they worshipped differently. Because they read the Bible differently. Because of their sexual orientation. Because they ate and drank different things. Played different music. I have to confess, by building up these walls... I I made God smaller. I was not able to appreciate the experience of others, thus robbing myself of a larger and clearer understanding of who God is. Until one day, in my graduate theological education at an institution somewhere around the world, I sat in class and the professor made fun of professors he didn't agree with. And it hit me like lightning. Something is terribly wrong with my wall mentality. And so I started to read books which the professor did not recommend. I started to ask questions that none of my fellow students even thought of. And I'm thankful for people that were around me that took a sledgehammer and opened a way through the wall. And you should have seen these People from the east and from the west when the wall came down they took the sledgehammers and got these holes into the wall. There were people around that helped me to see the grace of God in the lives of people that I thought were not worth of God's love. Coming to Las Heras was another experience of enlarging my space. La Sierra University, La Sierra University Church, and especially my seventh School class has helped me to grasp an even larger vision of God's grace. I believe that trust is an important part of living God's grace. And I realized that I distrusted everyone, even within my church even in my Adventist academic community that did not think the same way I did. I believe that trust is an important part of living God's grace. Recently, I noticed some advice coming from the East. Do not invite non-Adventists or only Adventists to speak in your churches. The message is, don't trust anyone outside the church. But then I realized oftentimes we do not trust each other even within the church. I've noticed that there are many verses in the Bible that challenge the reader not to trust men but to trust in the Lord. The biblical text is almost silent on the subject of how two human beings who have a sinful nature can develop a relationship of trust between one another. In fact, the only place the scripture tells us to place our trust in is in the Lord. We are never commanded to trust other people. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Someone has said, the most convincing argument for trusting other people comes not from whether or not a person is trustworthy, but from the consequences Of trusting no one working to trust someone again no matter how badly they may have broken our trust before is a tremendous demonstration of the reality of the gospel and I could tell you if we had enough more time I could tell you my experiences of how I tried to rebuild trust by putting trust first in others The most convincing argument for breaking down walls comes not from whether or not we will be spared confrontation, discomfort, or the arduous process of thinking critically, but from the consequences of dying miserable in a little room full of excrements. Have you ever experienced the falling of a wall that you have struggled with for so long, even if you thought that would never happen? In Germany, we never thought it would happen. But then, almost overnight, and you cannot imagine what kind of a feeling that is when you see this wall come down. Friends, I want to remind you that a life lived graciously and full of trusting does not come by chance or automatically. It is an intentional decision. It is something that we need to practice over and over again. And I am thankful for this church and its faith community, and I am thankful for this university and my colleagues that have allowed me to get a larger vision of God's grace. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Friedberg. walls. When Friedberg told me what he was going to share this morning, I couldn't help but think of walls (laughs) and what Scripture has to say about walls. So for just a few seconds, minutes, we'll reflect on Ephesians chapter 2 where Paul talks about walls. We're going to read 11 verses Uh, Chapter 2, verse 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands We both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to, bequ- to become a dwelling place in which God lives by His Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? When you look at this passage, you put it all on one slide like that. There are three words that stand out to me. And of course, the first word is wall. Paul says that the dividing wall has been uh, destroyed by Jesus. When Ephesians talks about the dividing wall of hostility, very much like Friedberg had said, there are good and there are bad, and this is what the purpose of the wall is. In fact, here's a, a temple inscription from the first century Jerusalem. This is a Inscription that was uh, in the temple stone, and it said the following No outsider shall enter the protective enclosure around the sanctuary, and whoever is caught will only have himself to blame for the ensuing death. Talk about a wall a wall that divides the insiders from the outsiders. A wall that is a barrier to the outsiders who cannot have access to the temple of God. And so Ephesians chapter 2 talks about this wall, this thing that divides, that separates, this wall that is put up in order to control, in order to comfort, in order to separate a wall of power and pride. But there are two more words that the Apostle Paul shares And that is foundation and cornerstone. Paul says, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. When our focus is on walls, the gospel's focus is on foundations. When we focus on the structure of the wall, the gospel focuses on the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. In Corinthians, Paul also says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We focus on walls, but God says, In the Spirit of the Kingdom of God, walls are broken down. Church, do not focus on walls, but focus on foundations. Not foundations, but the foundation. Jesus Christ, and build your life upon that foundation. The gospel is not about walls, it's about foundations, it's about the foundation, Jesus Christ. And in fact, Jesus says, on this cornerstone and on this foundation, I am building a new humanity, a community of people. Where once there was a dividing wall that separated between the insiders and the outsiders. Between the good and the bad. Between the this and the that. That has been broken down. And I am building a new community. Verse 22 says, And in Him you two are being built together to become the dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. It is not an us versus them with a wall. It is us and them in Him. In fact, it's not a us and a them, it is us in Him. There is an incredible project called Walls of Power that is exhibiting in Europe right now. And Estevan Virglavoji took a picture of a wall in 2015 in Europe and then wondered how many other walls there were. He found it fascinating. It was one of the walls Friedbert talked about. And it ends up, as a photographer, he went all over Europe and found at least 34 walls that countries or neighbors or not-so-good neighbors had erected to separate. You can go look at it online called Walls of Power. And this is what he says about his project. All human walls are eventually demolished. All human walls are eventually demolished. The power of the Spirit cannot hold down, hold back on breaking down the walls that divide us. Walls like Fridbert had said that you never imagined would come down. Open up to bring new life and to bring two communities together to to become one new community. Walls are eventually demolished. So why do we build them? The Gospel is... writes in her journal entry, November 1989... I was in seminary at St. Andrews University in Scotland, and one morning, while we were all having coffee in the common room, someone told us that the Berlin Wall was coming down. That was more than a wall. It was a world. The world of the Cold War was coming down, and people were dancing on it as it was crumbling. Students left St. Andrews in droves and hitchhiked to ports, Bought tickets for ferries, they did whatever they had to do to get there and dance with all the other dancers. They brought back chips of the wall, that thing that was built before we were born and told us how we and the world would die. One of the few regrets I have in my life so far is that I didn't go. I had things to do, classes to attend, papers to write, I had a job waiting on tables. I was too afraid to lose my job, afraid the little money I had wouldn't get me to Berlin or wouldn't get me back. I was so busy with the life I was living. I was so busy with the life I was living in the world that was ending that I didn't read the signs. The world was ending and I had a chance to dance with those who were welcoming a new world, one that wasn't doomed to end in massive fireballs or a nuclear winter, I had the ta- I had the chance to dance, and I did not. Friends, the followers of Jesus, we have the chance to dance around crumbling walls. Do not miss being present to the seismic shifts in our world. For the gospel is not about walls, it is about foundations. It is not only about foundations, it's about the foundation, Jesus Christ, on whom a new humanity is being built, where there is no insider or outsider, where we all are in him. The gospel of Jesus Christ, on him we build. Amen.